0: In April, a TikTok video of a student calling out a teacher who made a rape joke went viral, sparking an international debate on misogyny and a national movement to keep students safe in school. My name is Isa, and in this two-part special, we will explore the ideas and issues behind the Make School a Safer Place campaign. In this episode, we will have NGOs deconstruct concepts like online gender-based violence, rape culture, victim blaming, and much more. We will feature survivor stories and conversation snippets from our community members discussing the campaign. We will also do a deep dive on a Related issue on period spot checks in schools. Should you find this topic difficult or painful to hear, please stop and come back when or if you're ready. This is a trigger warning because we'll be unpacking a lot of issues on harassment, abuse, and bullying. Should you need further help or if you'd like to speak to someone, we will include some helpful resources in our show notes for you to reach out. As a finale of season two and knowing the importance of this movement, we hope to do justice to the stories and views shared with us. Please keep this national conversation going and never stop advocating until something meaningful is done to address the problem.
1: Then, we were talking about how there's a lot of laws protecting minors from sexual abuse or sexual harassment.
0: On 24th of April, 17-year-old Ayn Husniza posted a TikTok video calling out her PE teacher who made a rape joke in class. The video has since been viewed more than 1.8 million times.
1: And then he said Guess what 18 18 He really said that And the girls were like quiet But that the boys Oh they were laughing Like it was so funny To joke about rogue, About raping someone Even talked about how That apparently Kalau boys Kena rape It doesn't get reported Because the boys Is apparently sedap Or it feels good for them Like what kind of So much more that I want to say But time is running out
0: since then, Ayn has received online harassment, threats, lewd comments, and even rape threats. To highlight the hostile response she had received for Speaking Up, Ayn created the Make School a Safer Place hashtag. Since then, she has sparked a movement where thousands of Malaysians are now speaking up against harassment, abuse, and misogyny in schools. Many took to social media to show their support for Ayan, with politicians and youths flashing signs with words, I stand with Ayan on them. NGOs rallying behind the cause and writing open letters to the ministries to demand them to intervene and address the problem. Even victims and survivors of harassment, bullying and abuse are now opening up and sharing their stories online. This is especially since ein story came right after civil society and online activists were shocked to find that invasive period spot checks involving the touching of female students' private parts were pretty common in school. Ayn's story and the stories of many others have sparked a national debate around rape culture, victim blaming, sexual harassment, and abuse in school. So to unpack all of these issues in this episode, let's first start with what online gender-based violence is.
2: I'm Misa Mohamed Rawi. I am from Chris Network. So Chris Network is a not-for-profit organization that focuses on freedom of expression in a gender lens. Um, this includes advocating against online gender-based violence in Malaysia. Um, and I am their research and documentation officer. So what I do is I monitor online violence and I document them. We also offer assistance to victims of online gender-based violence who would like to seek help. So online gender-based violence is very similar to cyberbullying. Uh, so a lot of people tend to mistake it with cyberbullying, but what it actually is, is um, it's targeted harassment. So unlike uh, real-life violence or cyberbullying, uh, OGBB manifests itself online and it is often targeted towards women, minorities, and LGBTQI folks. Um, so it comes in many, many forms, uh, like sexual harassment, rape threats, uh, mob attacks, doxing, cyber stalking, uh, and many, many more. So, what this looks like is um, the, the disproportionate attack uh, against women. I think one of the biggest examples is also um, breaking SOPs uh, in Malaysia with the current movement control order. Uh, one of the times that this happened uh, was when Anwar Musa uh, broke SOP. And, you know, there were a lot of uh, negative backlash. But then when we saw that happen to YB Sheffura in Pahang, um, she did receive backlash, definitely. But the difference was that she also received um, sexual harassment. People were sending uh, sexual, re- uh, sexual remarks, making sexual remarks towards her. And I think that was a very blatant observation of online gender-based violence. Um, and this happens like almost every day. I received so many like, uh, sexual remarks, even though what she was fighting for was sexual harassment. She was go- against sexual harassment and rape jokes, but the people who responded to it were very clueless and ignorant, uh, in what she was talking about that they continuously made sexual remarks against her, even the death, uh, even the rape threats that she was receiving from her own classmates. So I think, That is a form of online gender-based violence.
0: In a big data analysis spanning 15 months from September 2019 to November last year, the study found that online misogyny, trolling, sexual harassment and victim blaming against women has increased. The analysis covered more than 20 million unique searches, 3,500 keywords on violence against women and 2,000 posts on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, among other social media platforms, with a focus on eight countries, namely Malaysia, India, Singapore, Indonesia, Philippines, Thailand, Bangladesh. And Nepal. And it's not just online gender based violence against women that is increasing in recent times. Domestic violence has also increased by 118% since the COVID pandemic started, according to the executive director of the women's aid organization, Sumitra Visvanathan. The rise of domestic violence and other forms of violence against women is now called the shadow pandemic.
3: It was in first grade and I'm a six or seven year old girl. And during break time this boy just came up to me and kissed me. And I slapped him and kicked him because I felt so uncomfortable because he just came up to me and kissed me. And the teacher came up to me and scolded me saying you can't do that boys are boys just let them do whatever. And she scolded me saying that I shouldn't have kicked him blah blah blah. And yeah okay I shouldn't have but he deserved it for kissing me without my consent. And. I went and told my mom when I got back from school and my mom brought it up with a principal and the principal didn't really do anything and then my mom had to bring it up again and then only matters were brought into closer inspection and that is an example of schools not being a safe place. Schools are supposed to be a trusting and safe learning environment but it's not and we need to make schools a safer place.
0: That was Priyanka Gunalan, a community member who shared her story of harassment in school. When the period spot check issue first came up, a lot of people were wondering and were even questioning whether that constitute sexual harassment. So here to comment and define what sexual harassment means is Managing Partner of Speak Up Malaysia, Amelia, an organization that aims to eliminate gender and sexual harassment through training. Sexual harassment refers
4: to Behaviors of a sexual nature that is unwanted by the victim Typically, these behaviors bring about negative consequences To the victims or the victims' surroundings When we talk about how to identify sexual harassment We usually categorize them into a few different groups The first one is something we call um, quid pro quo harassment This usually happens in a situation Where there is an expectation of a sexual favor um, an element of reciprocity That means if you want something You better give something of a sexual nature to me For example If you want a promotion You better go out on a date with me You want a promotion You better um, come back with me to my hotel room um, The second um, group of harassment Is something we call as coercion Or a situation that um, You know, bring about um, A very threatening um, Intimidating environment to the victim um, and not necessarily happen in a context Where there is any expectation of a sexual favour That means this person is not passing this remark Or doing this thing Because they expect you to do anything They might not even be sexually Or physically attracted to the victim They're just doing it because Maybe they think it's funny Or maybe they're trying to show um, Well, you know, I'm in the position of power I can do this um, to you And therefore, I'm going to Right? So by categorising this into the different types of harassment, it makes it slightly easier to
2: identify. I felt like it's it's something that happens quite often uh, in school. Uh, I mean, not only in school, but, you know, in workplaces as well. But in this particular context, in a school setting, um, it's quite sad because it, pushed her to the point whereby she felt that she had to do something and I feel that you know it was such a traumatic experience that she felt that she had to do that.
5: I I, mean, I feel proud of her because you know if we were in her shoes five six years ago we wouldn't have spoken out because times back then was very different. Mm-hmm. Um, So I personally feel proud of her. I I'm so proud of how she has handled all the online bullying and harassment because that shit for like a 17-year-old is very very hard to deal with I'm so angry at all the people who have said those mean things about her
0: Absolutely yeah. Jane, how about you?
6: I actually, rather than feeling proud of her, my first feeling when I think about her is I feel really bad for her because like when she started the campaign, a lot of people like turned her down and like started like insulting her and all that stuff
0: that was community members Allison, Abigail, and Kuljit talking about how they felt about the harassment, the bullying, the backlash, the rape threat that Ian was receiving after speaking up. So I wanted to know why these comments were being made, why there was so much backlash to begin with. Shouldn't we applaud and support teenagers who speak up against people in power who are abusing their position? Uh,
2: So whenever women speak up about the harassment that they have experienced, they almost always receive harassment in return of doing so. So Ayn's issue is at higher stakes because it garnered attention from nation and the media. So uh, this is also why we don't use the term cyberbullying. It's because we acknowledge that although online violence may occur to anyone, the attacks have been proven disproportionate as majority of the victims are women. So a narrative that I've observed is that many people worry about the wrong things. So where uh, where reputation becomes the first thing um, that people worry about and not the fact that many stories have come out that these harassments are happening in schools. So there's even comments on sensitivity Uh, That she's too sensitive, and this shows that we don't take the issue of sexual harassment or sexual assault uh, serious enough. That so many people see the issue as a joke, so much so that I'm received rape threats from her own classmate, and the police addressed it as a joke, and her school's counselor refused to take her seriously. You know, so online and offline, we can see how the harm done to women are not being taken seriously. So the sentiment that she was too sensitive isn't special only to her teachers, but also to many people here, especially in Malaysia. Um, So, except doing it online has more privacy and security. So, perpetrators, they are given the chance to anonymize themselves and they don't have to meet the victims as they continue to gaslight them, harass them and undermine them. So, there are even men online who had the gall to sexualize her under uh, Malaysia Kimi's Facebook. Uh, Some of them even with their own account. So people don't really understand the harm they are causing online because they think online violence cannot manifest itself to real-life situations. Uh, This is obviously not true. The United Nations addressed uh, this in their special repertoire report on violence against women and found that online gender-based violence has seen a lack of public and political participation by women because of OGBB. So there are also studies that observe women experiencing mental health issues from online attacks. So in Malaysia, in general, we don't acknowledge the harm that we have done to women. And because we don't, uh, because we prioritize the wrong things, we allow these things to happen. And because online gender based violence is not taken seriously in Malaysia, you know, we think of cyberbullying as Something very light and something that should not impact you in real life when that is not the case. You know, we have seen so many people, um, have really, really horrible effect because of because of online violence. Uh, we have seen people commit suicide. We have seen people, um, seek help, uh, even commit crime because of online violence. So that's something that we need to you know, be more serious about. And that's exactly why I'm, or even YB Shepura received so much flag online. People just don't think there there are consequences to their actions online.
7: My first experience with this is on an online social platform for anime lovers. Uh, Anime is a Japanese cartoon, a male, I knew as a friend of my friend and also in the same group chat there start to chat me privately. They chat with me like usual at first but then he start to visualize him doing sexual acts uh, to me, sexualizing me through the message without my concern. Maybe you can also call it another in another term, sex thing. This is in a wanted way and without concern for me. I was a teenager bad then, at at that time, happened. It really made me terrified and really anxious. I immediately stopped chatting with him and not talking to him since that. After that incident, I left the group chat that man also in. I and I do not participate in any group chat anymore because i afraid that will happen to me again. i only talking to the ones that I really trust. And now I haven't opened that application for many years.
0: That was a community member who shared to us A story of her getting sexually harassed online and how it has traumatized her. And while the effects of online sexual harassment, as Nichelle pointed out, is far-reaching for the victim as well as the survivor, but it's also far-reaching in the community. When people don't take this issue seriously online, it trickles offline when police officers don't believe or don't take this case seriously when counselors tell Ayn that she should just be less sensitive. When people start to look at the victim and what she did, she or he did, instead of the perpetrator, then this becomes a much bigger problem that is much harder to address. This is especially since. Victims or survivors of sexual assault is often attacked and not believed in when he or she speaks out because we have a culture of victim blaming. To find out more about victim blaming, we talk to Safe Campus and ask them what victim blaming looks like and why it is so persistent in Malaysia.
1: My name is Amanda and I will be representing Safe Campus, which is an initiative of SAWO or also known as Sabah Women's Action Resource Group. Safe Campus is a campaign started by a group of young women in Sabah last year, 2020. Our campaign aims to raise awareness on sexual harassment among students in higher learning institutions in Sabah. Our long-term goal is to create a safe campus that has zero tolerance against sexual harassment. Okay, so what is victim blaming and why does it persist? Victim blaming is when the person being harassed is faulted partly or entirely for the sexual harassment that happened to survivor. Survivors are often questioned, such as, again, what clothes were you wearing? Or, what did you do to make that person did that? Or, why are you so sensitive? It's just a joke. Victim blaming persists because sexual harassment has been normalized in our society. For instance, we hear many cases of rape happen to young girls, and it is often rarely that the perpetrators were strangers. It is always someone that they know. The perpetrators were always the family members of the children, such as, sadly, their grandfathers and uncles, people that they know. Sadly, that is the lived reality
0: of so many victims as well as survivors. To have gone through such a traumatic and horrible experience, typically, perpetrated by someone they know, someone they love, and then not being able to speak out for fear of getting backlash. I think the reason why Ayn's story became so big and so viral is because her story became a microcosm of all the different issues in Malaysia regarding rape culture, victim blaming, sexual harassment, and really, really showed this perspectives to light the ugliness of society and the willingness of society to trudge as well as stomp on the stories and lived experiences of victims. To analyze Ayn's situation a little bit more and how victim blaming continues to persist unchecked in Malaysia, we also spoke to Alyssa from Awam.
8: My name is Alisa. I am the Social Media and Advocacy Officer for AWAM. So I'm basically doing all social media stuff. I am doing the design, copywriting, replying to DMs, trying to break into TikTok, all that stuff. Um, and <laughs> AWAM is a 35-year-old independent feminist organisation. So we work towards advancing women's rights and gender equality and eradicating gender-based violence. So we do this um, through trainings and we also work with government agencies to actually work on these policies and also, I think arguably our most important work is actually uh, working with gender-based violence survivors, because our Telenita helpline actually gives them free counselling and legal information services. So victim blaming is basically shifting the focus from the perpetrator who actually did the crime to the survivor who experienced it. So um, if you want to talk about Ayn, who's Husniza, who's amazing, by the way, um. I immediately got blamed. And then the teacher who was actually accused of the rape joke, it took weeks and a lot of public outrage to actually, for him to get repercussions. And and Awam emphasises this all the time when we talk to um, gender-based violence survivors, it is never the fault of the survivor. You could be wearing a full burqa and then still be sexually harassed. You could be a child and and still go through this. So victim blaming makes it seem that the survivor somehow um, invited this behavior by the way that they dressed, or by the way that you know they were talking when that could really not be the case. Like you could be walking down the street and then be groped. Like for example, um, but and then when you tell your friends, your friends are like, "Oh, but what were you wearing? Oh, You know, you know, you know, it's not safe, or or anything." When the perpetrator gets away with it and says that, oh, that's just the fact of life. You know, boys are just boys. You know? So we, we heard a lot of survival stories from like um, people who had experienced it like uh, five, 10 years ago, but she's like the one that like, was currently a student who was speaking to like the fact that it was still happening right now, you know? And it's uh, because of that, because she's a student, because like she's a girl, kind, it's quote unquote easy to invalidate her. Because our society um, tends to put down women and children because we think they don't know enough. Um, and we invalidate their opinions uh, for a lot of different reasons. But I think the main one is to save the face of the community. I think this came out a lot with uh, with Ayn at her school. She They were like, oh, why are you... um What's the word? Huh? Um, like degrading the school's name. You know, why are you bring up the school's name or whatever? Because our community tends to value the opinion of men and those in power when actually those people are actually the people who actually tend to make the problem worse. So, sadly, it is a systemic issue. It is something that happens on a societal level because we're so used to it. We're so used to saying, oh, Abba, the, the she can't be right. She doesn't know enough because she's just a kid. When... This happened to her. So technically, she's the expert, quote-unquote. Like, she knows what's going on in in her school. So why are we invalidating her? Sadly,
0: because of this culture of victim blaming, a lot of victims and survivors tend to, would prefer to stay silent, simply because, not because it's easier, but because the option of speaking out is worse. Because of that, there are a lot of underreporting that exists when it comes to sexual abuse cases. To address this issue, we spoke to accidental activist Putri Noraina Balkis who started the Instagram page Save the Schools My, which chronicles hundreds of harrowing as well as heartbreaking stories.
9: Save the Schools My is a platform dedicated to former and current victims of rape culture, sexual harassment and abuse experience in uh, schools to speak up anonymously. Uh, The reason why I started the platform is I believe that more people need to be served with these kind of stories for them to realise that this monstrosity is real. Because I've seen a lot of enablers were invalidating victims uh, who started to speak up, especially when, when you know, when Ayn began to speak up about the rape joke in her school. What particularly struck me was the fact that there were a group of teachers who spread the rumours saying that she's autistic. Therefore, her allegations shouldn't be taken seriously, which is messed up. Because number one, if she's autistic, it it is worse. Number two, yeah. number two. Um. So what if she's autistic? Like hypothetically speaking, if she's autistic, that doesn't cancel out the fact that rape that rape joke happened. That rape culture is being embedded in school. So, I. But the platform was very accidental. I was just angry. Then I was like, you know what, screw it lah. Let's start a Google form. Let's start an Instagram page and see how many people will will come forward. And now I think it's nearly three weeks since the platform ran. Um, The response has been great uh, to some extent overwhelming as well.
0: We will hear a lot more from Putri in part two of this special where we really unpacked as well as spotlight some of the stories that were shared on her platform. Coming back to victim blaming, here are community members Kuljit and Abigail talking about the issue.
6: So I have this friend who is um free to know to do only when she goes to school. So there was a picture of her when she was younger, maybe when she was five or six. So one of my friends found it, and then on the uh, school WhatsApp group, they were just um, um, making fun, like, oh, my God, read really the power of um, stalking. So they put the picture. Then there was this one girl, eh, go delete the picture faster before the boys see aura, this, that. And I was like, it's the girl's picture. She was barely five years old. And what do you expect? Like
5: There were so many like harassment cases about um, people, like girls, being harassed but When they were praying in the sural And like there were Videos of that Circulating on Twitter I don't know if you're aware But oh, uh, yeah. what, what, What's happening with that? Can you tell us a little like, bit about it? Uh, I think it was A, a mosque Or a surau. Um, And then This girl She was a small girl She was probably Younger than Kujit I don't know She just looks younger Than Kujit But she was wearing like The very long thing You use to pray uh, The jubah Telukong like, Yeah Telukong Yeah, the Lugong, oh, yeah sorry So she was wearing that And then this guy, like, came behind her and, like, grabbed her ass, which she was bending down in prayer, you know. So it's like, it defeats the purpose Or the argument saying, you know, you need to cover up so guys won't look at you. Guys will look at you anyway. It's not our problem. It's their problem because they can't keep it in their pants.
0: And I've had a lot of conversations on victim-blaming, with friends, And some guys actually feel quite defensive about this issue because a lot of them feel like there must be leeway or it can't be a wrong thing for guys, for friends, for parents to tell their girls that they shouldn't go out at night, that maybe they shouldn't wear that skirt to go out because that keeps them safe. And sometimes these things may seem quite harmless. Oftentimes, these things seem like they come from a place of care. But what it also does, maybe unintentionally, is that it makes girls feel like they need to be the one to do everything in order to keep themselves safe. Because when does not being cautious turn to being at fault for something horrible done onto you. My sisters went to an Islamic school and the teachers used to stalk their social media photos and scolded them for not wearing tudung outside or for not covering up their aurat because it was improper and because they maybe would fall victim to some kind of assault. Is this right? Is it out of concern? It sounds good, right? She is doing something in order to make sure that the girls wear proper clothing. But what if something happened to my sisters? What if they experienced some kind of sexual assault? Will they blame themselves? Will they think it's because they dressed in a certain way and they invited that attention? Of course, I'm not here saying that we shouldn't or on the side of caution, we shouldn't advise our girls to be careful. I also just think that when we do that, we just have to be more cognizant as well as aware of how we phrase those words of advice. And sometimes we also have to weigh the comfort of the society and community vis-a-vis the lived experience of these survivors, because a lot of why victim blaming happens. If you look at psychology, it's because we have this feeling or this need to rationalize things in the world. So if bad things happen to people, then they must be bad people. There must be a reason why those bad things happen. It's why a lot of people say things like, if somebody died or passed away, they will say things like, um, there was a plan for that person. It was time for that person to go. So when it comes to victim blaming, it's a lot easier for us to rationalize that something bad happened to this girl because she did things that allowed those bad things to happen. Because people don't like to be confronted by the fact that bad things happen to good people as well. That even though they don't deserve it, and it was mere chance that they were on the wrong street on the wrong day at the wrong time, And they may do everything right, but they may still be a victim of sexual assault. People don't like the idea that they don't have control over circumstances, that they may be that girl in the future, or that girl could be anyone. It could be their mother, their sister, their friend. So when people don't like the idea that something horrible can happen to you, they rationalize that this thing only happens to her because she didn't take precaution, because that comforts our minds, it comforts our hearts, that as long as we take those precautions, those things don't happen to us. But we don't understand that that psyche of protecting ourselves, giving ourselves that false sense of security actually harms so many other people outside as well.
10: I mean, growing up, like n- now where I am, sometimes I really think that I'm dreaming of this situation because I, I don't know, maybe my mind couldn't comprehend that it was real. Like, even made me doubt myself whether the, even if this story is true in my memory. But I'm, I'm so sure that it happened because I remember every detail of it. So basically, every time after prayer, we would have a teacher give us some, you know, some talk, some simple talks. And then I remember too, there was one day like the topic of rape was brought up and the teacher tried to explain why rape happened. She was saying that, oh, the reason why men rape is because we don't cover ourselves. And I was just shocked because the way she explained the story was that okay, it's because the first time uh, a man sees a woman without proper clothing covered he, the, he gets this feeling and then when he sees another one the feeling amplifies and then when he reached to a point where he just has to release himself sometimes the aim goes to a covered woman and at that point I was just completely confused was, so, uh, I Uh, Yeah, even thinking about it again is just making me speechless even more. So I I never understood why that that conversation or that idea was placed in our minds.
0: That story was very difficult to hear and it was told by my sister-in-law who we are all very close to. And it's difficult to hear because it's rape culture that is perpetuated not by men or boys but rather our A female teacher and it really goes to show the unconscious bias also that is uh, persistent in the community a lot of what happened to Ayn is the result of a more pernicious problem that is systemic in our mindsets our education system our tradition and the combination of victim blaming gender inequality misogyny is what makes up the rape culture in a society we see it in the rape joke that Ayn's teacher made we see it in the lewd comments that were made against her We see it in her school and teachers telling her that she's making a big deal out of nothing. But what is the rape culture exactly? Here is Amelia from Speak Up Malaysia explaining what it is and why it's so harmful.
4: Rape culture refers to a situation where two things are present. The first one is when rape is prevalent, when we have a high number of sexual harassment, um, violence against women or gender-based violence happening within the society. The second one is that not just that these cases are prevalent, but we also normalize it, we excuse it, we think that it is acceptable. Um, you know, it could be portrayed in um, our behavior, our perception, the way we talk about um, gender and sexuality, but also in the media and pop culture that we consume on a day-to-day basis. Rape culture is harmful because it affects every single one of us. I'm not just talking about people who are actually victimized by these crimes, but I'm talking about literally every single member of society. This is because if rape culture exists, it means that rape is not just rampant, but it it is also acceptable. This means that you are putting the burden on Every single member of society to do whatever it takes to keep themselves safe. So these may translate into things like overly regulating themselves, limiting what they wear not being comfortable in their own skin having to constantly being worried about um, where they're going what time they're leaving the house what time they're coming back what jobs they could take whether or not they can um, you know walk through a certain area or they have to take the long way so all of these things are things that affects a person's quality of life so if we do not address rape culture, it literally affects our ability to exist and to be a functioning member of society and it also affects our ability to be productive within society. When we talk about rape culture, we have to acknowledge that it is not something that just happens in private spaces um, or or um, a- a domestically, but we're also thinking about the private, uh, sorry, the public spaces, right? So that means that Our public spaces have to be safe enough so that people can go out there, participate in public events, be a part of their communities, get to know their neighbors, form meaningful relationship with others and essentially, you know, function within a community and contribute to that community. So obviously, if rape culture continues to be um, rampant, it affects the ability for every single one of us to live our best life to fulfill our potential um because when you're living in a constant state of fear you may not necessarily be able to um well live your be the best version of your, yourself essentially and i think that the risks of a person um feeling Um, like they are unsafe or feeling like something might happen to them, um, is really not a nice feeling. It is severely limiting. And of course, um, I think that in itself is bad enough, um, for someone's mental health, for someone's ability to be a productive employee, for someone to be a good sister, a good mother, a good, a good, a good son. So I think it really affects every single aspect, um, of our lives
0: now that we know that rape culture is apparent within our community and the harms of perpetuating this culture it is also important to know why it is apparent why it is pernicious why it is persisting because it is not just one thing it goes to so many different aspects of our lives here is Kirath from the Women's Aid Organization, an NGO which aims to end violence against women and promote gender equality in Malaysia, talks about the things that contribute towards rape culture in Malaysia.
11: Whenever survivors of violence disclose their experience, whether publicly or not, they are often met with disbelief or blamed for the violence that they have experienced. Um, this is because our society is steeped in patriarchy, where a woman is seen as less than a man. By extension, this also means young girls are regarded as even less. This creates a society that is rife with rape culture, which is an environment where rape is prevalent, where sexual violence is normalized and excused. Rape culture is perpetuated through the use of misogynistic language, the objectification of women's bodies, the glamorization of sexual violence that creates a society that disregards women's rights and safety. This is why Ayn was harassed. People that perpetuate rape culture want to make excuses for her teacher's bad behavior. They want to say that Ayn is too sensitive, uh, doesn't know how to take a joke, this is easier to understand than a grown man thinking that a rape joke is funny in the first place. This helps people distance themselves from the situation and gives them a legitimate reason to why such a thing happened to Ayn, right? Um, this is so that they feel safe, so that they know that th- this kind of thing won't happen to them because they didn't do or say or behave in X, Y, Z way. Right, Ayan was also harassed because people see her as a young girl and a child who doesn't know any better or doesn't understand the situation uh, and is making a big deal out of nothing. When Ayan spoke up against rape culture, that's what she did. Right, She called her teacher out. Um, she, told, she said that this behavior by a teacher is unacceptable. She went against power structures that uphold patriarchy. Um, this challenged uh, what is seen as normal and acceptable A student isn't supposed to go against their teacher A girl is supposed to keep quiet About things that made, make her uncomfortable um, She's supposed to be accommodating Ayn did neither, right? She refused to participate in her teacher's joke And called out his bad behavior And because of this inequality uh, of power in our society right? Ayn's rights to safety and autonomy was not respected she was continuously harassed and even threatened with rape to try and keep her quiet. Rape culture and victim blaming is extremely damaging. It discourages survivors to disclose uh, to disclose violence that they might have experienced. Silence is a key enabler for abusers, perpetrating violence and if the survivors' voices aren't heard, right? nothing changes. The perspective of survivors is central in making sure that um, our society is a a society free from violence.
5: But Abigail, back then, wouldn't be able to do anything just like you because I'd be scared of authority, right? But Abigail now, right? (laughs) I would put my bloody pad in like an envelope I just give it to the teacher. Not not Sarah Khan. Not I'm just, are you bro. I mean what do you want from me? If you really want to see my bloody pad here you go. I'll give it to you, bro. <laughs> <laughs> I mean that's like the easiest way to like a boy get expelled. But number two, prove a point man. So yeah, that that's me now.
8: Yeah. <laughs> yeah I, Well, actually, I think it defeats the purpose, you know I could be
2: not Mm -hmm. having my menses and wear a pad Just to prove that, you know, I may have a menses And I'm not going to the surah You won't know whether I'm actually bleeding So it's an
0: ineffective (laughs) method
8: anyways
0: People are saying, how about tampons? Like, what are you going to (laughs) do? Stuff your finger up my, like, canal to check You know, if I say, oh, (laughs) i tampon.'" Ayn's video actually came soon after another case that was highlighted on the victimization and abuse of girls in school. A human rights activist with the Twitter handle, Terry Dye Hayden brought up the issue of female students being subject to period spot checks, a practice where teachers conduct physical examinations of their pupils, including touching the girls' groins to see if they were wearing sanitary napkins. To explain the issue further, we spoke to Bulan Sisters, a youth-led campaign aiming to demystify periods and eradicate period poverty in underprivileged communities in Malaysia.
12: I'm Iris from Bulan Sisters, and I'm joined by Jani from Bulan Sisters as well. So Pure Spot Check itself can be, I would say, a bit special only to Malaysia. And when I say special, I mean in a negative light, but <laughs> FYI, it's just that... Um, Essentially, periods watcher has been used in a religious context where religious teachers have been asking female students itself if they have their periods and checking if they are on their periods just to make sure that they are not lying to avoid religious duties. So this can range from just casually asking to rather harassing issues such as asking them to reveal their underwear or even giving them like a tissue paper to put under their pad. And worse come to worse, there have also been cases where when female students have shown, like, the tissues or, like, showed the blood itself, the teachers would insist and claim that, oh, are they sharing the blood? Or that they were passing the tissues underneath, like, the toilet stores. So, Jia, what do you think about this?
13: Honestly, that's wild, eh? Like, when I was in secondary school, I knew that, you know, some girls were, like, just giving an excuse, like, oh, sorry, I'm a period, so I can't, like, go for swimming classes, for example. But I've always just, like, known that, you know, there's no way to check it. And mm-hmm. you have to give them the benefit of the doubt. So when I first heard about this, I was just so horrified. It's like, number one, how can you even do that? That's literally sexual harassment. And this is, um, especially in the context where most of these happened in boarding schools, and these students are so vulnerable... Are really there for most of like most of their week, they're in that boarding school mm-hmm. with those teachers, they can't even walk away from something, and it's so normalized. It really, all, most of the survivors that we're hearing now uh experienced that like maybe five-10 years ago, and they're only realizing yeah. that it's wrong now because people are coming out to speak. So I was just very horrified. And even like period of spot checks, okay, fine, but the thing is that even after they conduct the spot checks, you know, like, what you mentioned, yeah. then they say that even if you show them like, blood on the tissue, or on the cotton bar, he's like, nah, this is my period blood. And then the teachers still say, like, oh, you're sharing pure blood. What do they want? You know, this is really, like, they're really just confirming what they already have, what they already think about, like, young adults. And it just shows how much, like, mistrust that, society has about young adults, oh, young adults always lie, you know, Mm -hmm. and young adults just do anything to get out, oh, it's just puberty, it's just a phase, but, you know, that's that's really not true. Young adults have so much power and potential, and these are so damaging for them.
12: Yeah, I agree as well, especially at the age where a lot of them are still growing up. Like, I cannot imagine if I were in that situation, and, let's say, I really do have my period, right, and someone keeps insisting that, I'm not and I'm just trying to like skip like my PE for example because if you keep doing that right it makes you really like it can really affect your own mindset as well where you constantly question yourself yourself self, saying like am I really lying because someone of authority is telling you that you know, it's really different from like a friend's context where you're just like joking around but when someone is insisting that you are lying or when someone keeps insisting on showing like like basically making you do something that it's a bit, I would say, in a way, sexual harassment, it can really impact how you behave as well in the future around adults or just people of authority. Because, like, yeah, like what you mentioned, we actually heard from a lot of survivors where we, they don't even realise that they were being sexually harassed in that sense because they think that, oh, you know, my parents are the ones who send me to this boarding school. They trust them. And if I was to even tell my parents, my parents would think it's just like anyway, so... Who am I to say that, oh, I shouldn't, I should just listen to them and I, should, I shouldn't say no because what What? what does my opinion even matter in this context? Because I don't really have, like, someone to trust.
13: These religious teachers and these are all female teachers. And you would think that, oh, you know, if you've, like, been through it, you shouldn't have enforced it on your own students. But, you know, as it shows, they're doing it. So it's really a wider societal problem that we need to tackle like bit by bit and it starts now
0: in an effort to comprehensively understand how pervasive sexual harassment is in schools Awam recently conducted a study where it collected and analysed 275 testimonials shared by survivors and the majority of the experience recorded were actually from a result of period spot checks here is Alisa from Awam explaining the results of the survey as well as what it means for period spot checks to create an unsafe learning environment. So the
8: testimonies, 275, came from people who either reached out to us personally for, like as Awam or through um, social media influencer Nalisa Ali Amin and Terry Hayden on Twitter. So all together, we came out with like 275 uh, testimonies. So... It was basically just to show just how widespread the issue was, because out of the 275 testimonies, which is already a lot, uh, 125 were for period spot checks, 108 for bullying, and 88 for sexual harassment. And what's troubling is that this is happening all over the country. It's not just in a specific state, although KL does have the highest number, if I'm not mistaken, by 12. Um... But it is happening all over the country. So this is not just uh, boarding schools, which, if we, which we've heard of uh, from a lot, like MRSM, um, stuff like that. It's also happening in primary schools, sekolah agama, um, secondary schools, all-girls schools. So this is, um, this is a really widespread issue. So the main kind of um, group, the biggest group that were affected by this was 7 to 12-year-olds. Um, and then thirteen to fifteen year olds. So even then, those are all minors. Um, majority of the the survivors that we've talked to are all minors, which is disturbing. But so basically, the 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 party is that a girl should be worrying. Wow, well, a girl should be worrying about getting good grades or like spending time with her friends at school she should not be worrying about if somebody is going to strip her down and grope her because sadly these are the things that like school girls have to have, have had to go through you know um so um this this experience can actually traumatize and really scare the the girl in question because some of the survivors I think I've said this before um these are these are not instances that that happened to them even a year or two ago these are things that happened to them. 10 years ago, 15 years ago. They still traumatize them to this day. And it's something that they carry with them. And even if it just happened to to the girl, um, this can lead to kind of being scared in the school environment. And then that can lead to them not concentrating on their studies or potent skola. And then they can have like a negative um, academic outcome juga. So it, it's also, in a way, um, affecting the girl's future when she goes through a traumatising experience like this. And and also, um, another aspect of the period spot checks, um, survivor stories that we've seen is that actually, some of them are actually conducted publicly. So, so the common kind of thing is that all the girls are lined up or they're all in one kind of um, room and they're all asked to kind of check with either like cotton buds or like physically stripping them, they got, they got their pets or whatever. And then the, f- the figures of authority that actually do this um, are the same, at the same time are actually models for other students. So if they're publicly doing this, it sends a message to the other students juga. It sends a message, it's primarily to boys, to say that um girls don't have a right over their own bodies. And it sends a message that girls are inferior to boys and that um their bodies can be violated anytime. When that's really not the case but sadly because because everyone sees this happening publicly that's the that's the message they they come out with that it's okay to do this That it's normal you know we 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 just want to make sure that our girls are are not lying you know but that i i think the the method of which that they're doing that is is seriously could be seriously damaging to the to the girl in question
0: Bernie Brown said that empathy is simply listening, holding space, withholding judgement, emotionally connecting and communicating that incredibly healing message of you're not alone. With online gender-based violence and period spot checks, we often don't understand the severity of these incidents and how they affect the people that live through them because of course it's easier to distance ourselves from these negative incidents. But empathy is so so important, it's what drives people into action, it's why we choose to fight for change, it's where people in power are made accountable. We hope that before you dismiss these stories, that you hear them out and realise the incredible amount of pain it causes. We also think that education is key to everything. The debate around rape culture, victim blaming and abuse is extremely nuanced and so contextualised to Malaysia. And it's easy to misunderstand them and it's easy to feel like you know all about them. But it's important for us to be aware and educate ourselves on these issues before we assume that they are unimportant. So we hope that this episode shed some light about some of these stories and ideas behind the Make School a Safer Place campaign. We really, really tried to get Ayan on this podcast episode, but she was unavailable for this time of the month. So Ayn, wherever you are, we hope you're listening to this and we thank you for sparking this national conversation that we hope to keep alive as long as possible, as long as it takes for change to happen. In part two of this special, we will look at some of the stories shared by victims and survivors and we will speak to NGOs about what we can do to be better allies. And we also spoke about how victims can get help. To end this episode, we will leave you with a preview of the next episode and we really, really hope that you did enjoy or learned a lot from this special and we really hope you do stick around and listen up to our part 2 because it contains really really helpful resources about what to do regarding this issue as well as some stories that would really open your eyes to how pernicious this problem is if you're not already convinced that this is such a huge problem. Until then, take care and I'll talk to you soon. Bye!
9: I have nearly 700 stories now Oh my goodness Yeah 700 And the numbers are mounting up Which is like We have a population Of 34 million Malaysia. This is like Not even 0.1% But these people are real Behind the stories
1: There are real human beings And she touched us down there To feel if there's anything there The whole class was uncomfortable It is never your fault no matter what happened or when people question you why you didn't fight when it happened, it is never your
2: fault. We have this issue of uh, not even knowing the basics of what to do when this happens. Um, so we have to take the initiative to learn about these things.
5: I remember putting on my glasses and I remembered one of them saying I looked like Mia Khalifa
11: upon star don't say things like you've been acting like this for so long how much more longer can you feel this way you know everybody's journey to recovery is different
7: after the trend moving uh, he started to touch and fill it up my waist with this elbow
8: it takes a lot of guts and courage to, to even try and tackle your trauma and try to move past it
12: and I think that within all of us yes there's an activist in us but If you're someone who has never experienced it, like personally, like myself, but instead, I think you can still act as an advocate and use the opportunity that's happening now to actually educate yourself and learn what exactly and how you can help